Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. We are a podcast that's about helping parents, helping those who work with kids, pastors, think about what the Bible teaches and how that informs how they carry out their ministries. We just want to equip people in that, encourage them. And so I am one of the hosts. I'm Ben Palaz, the Family and Children's Discipleship Pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And as always, I'm joined by... Tony Trasoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland. All right, Tony, it's good to be back. Tony, I was looking the other day at a church's website. They had this brief introductory video, and the first thing they that showed up on the video uh, about what to expect was fun. When you come here, you can expect fun. <laughs> now, they moved to more spiritual things, but I just found it striking. I mean, it seemed to really appeal to a consumer mentality. Now, this church seems to have a pretty clear evangelistic focus um, to reach unchurched people. And, you know, it just wasn't my style. But, again, they, they did move to more spiritual, and it ended with we're trying to move people who are far from God to bring to bring them to God. And so I appreciated that. But, um, you know, I heard someone on the, the D6 podcast pose this question once. He said, you know, why do we ask kids, did you have fun whenever they get done with something at church? Um, he said, you know, if we did that to adults, like we don't we don't say, hey, did you have fun in, in the service today or in, in whatever? And so I think he helpfully raised the objection that maybe sometimes our goals, our expectations are too low. But I, I'm concerned, I think you too, that parents and churches can be too focused on the idea of fun. You know, we're a highly, highly consumer-oriented culture, consumer-oriented culture, and it's affected our churches. I mean, I have, have, have the Christmas decorations appeared yet uh, in your area? They have not. Okay, <laughs> not just give it a little time. You know, we're we're recording this right before July fourth, so you know it's we're we're getting close in the the merchandise world. But um, you know, churches can tend to think that we need to appeal to the consumer, and 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 then the consumer expects that they need to be entertained, and so we provide services, and the people, you know, if they like our services, they come. And I don't mean the worship service, like that, whatever amenities we offer. And so I, I'm just concerned that we shouldn't treat church like Kohl's or, or Macy's or whatever your favorite place to shop is. So, Tony, did you go to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid? Did I go to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid? Oh, definitely. Of course, yeah. I love Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, I think. I could see you tearing that place up as a kid. The uh, ball pits that they don't do anymore, you know? I'm sure I uh, got like 67 diseases in those things. Yeah, ball pits are great, but yeah, I, I do see the, the health risk there. You know, back in the day, it's just, a, you know, it's amazing any of us survived um, all those things. But So, Tony, when you went to church as a kid, did you have fun? Uh, I, yeah, I, I would not describe that as much of a fun experience when I was a kid. The When we went to church as a kid, it was mostly to Mass. Uh, sometimes we would go to a uh, Protestant church occasionally with my aunt and uncle, but mostly it was to a Mass. And I think that few would call Mass particularly fun. You know, it's certainly aerobic. You certainly get your exercise in, you know, going from kneeling to standing to sitting, kneeling to standing, sitting. But uh, I think few would really describe Mass as being fun. Okay. So it wasn't kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese experience for you. No, no. And I will say we did, I think, one time, I've been told at least, I went to Children's Church uh, on one occasion with some people, but I don't 
I don't particularly remember it, to tell you the truth. You know, I think as a child, I was fascinated with religion, but definitely didn't see it as a, as a fun, entertaining thing. Okay. Well, so, Tony, do you think that that churches should have programs or events or, or whatever uh, designed at causing people, kids or adults or anybody in between, uh, having fun? I think that should church be fun to answer that? I think absolutely, in a lot of senses, it sh- church should be fun. Churches should create programs. I think even events primarily designed for fun as a separate question, I'd say absolutely not to that second question to clarify. Uh, you know, churches exist to glorify God, not to keep us entertained even if it's religiously entertained. But I'd say sometimes glorifying God together, sometimes enjoying fellowship with one another Christians can be fun, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Some people argue, though, that it wins people uh, that to have more fun, to have a focus on having this fun and uh, entertainment culture. But the truth is, I think what you win people with is what you win them to. And I think oftentimes we see this mentality of fun first creates a fun first mentality and and leaving the church, you know. We leave the church then because it's not fun enough, because we've created a desire, a craving for that which is more most fun possible. I think even we've seen, and even when it comes to adults, you know, I've known of churches that have done free football tickets or going to certain, say, an Easter service, and only all evidences seem to show that that makes no long-term difference doing that kind of thing, the entertainment-first approach. And I think likewise, you know, enrapturing kids' programs, the most fun, the, the most possibly entertaining kids' programs tend to have statistically very little long-term difference in terms of attendance. That's that's a good point. How did this kind of come about in churches, this mentality of fun first? Yeah, I think mostly this is a product of consumerism. Uh, and I do want to, with that idea of consumerism, clarify kind of my last point on the last on that previous question. I think certainly churches have grown, but I don't think that they've grown through uh, winning lost people through a lot of these kind of things. And in consumerism, I think that Christians that perhaps are not as mature in their walk with the Lord have often seen church as a consumer product and desired that which is a superior consumer product rather than that which grows in the most spiritually. I think consumer has deeply affected how Americans do church in so many different ways. And I think that uh, especially this has been apparent in upper middle class America, probably more than anywhere else. I think I've read some statistics that show that a lot of these things are far less the case. Consumerism has far less affected churches and some lower class neighborhoods as well as uh, some other different kinds of neighborhoods. But I think very clearly it's hard to deny that this this is connected to the rise of the seeker church, the seeker-sensitive church in the, in the 1980s. I think that it, it fostered to an entertainment culture that rather already existed in our secular culture. And I think our culture is more and more constantly driven by entertainment, more and more than it ever has been. It seems to be heading towards more and more entertainment every moment. 
but I think also we've seen that's been influenced by a progressive removal of pastors and elders from children's ministry. I think in the past, especially during the Reformation, you know, pastors and elders and church leaders were pivotal and and organizing and making sure there's theological clarity and focus on the Bible and children's ministry. I think nowadays very few pastors of churches and very few elders have any interest in what's going on in the children's program. So it's just kind of become a run by those who design entertaining programs outside of the church. Yeah, and sometimes they're not as well trained in the word, and so that can just bring on a new dimension. And obviously, we're th- you you can't simply depend on the paid staff of the church or the elders. It's great to have other people who are gifted to to use those gifts to minister to children. But sometimes, often, it can be an afterthought, and it's sort of like the minor leagues, if you will. So. Tony, for what purpose are programs and events useful? I think that programs and events can be great for reinforcing the vision that your prog- that your ministries have. I think we always need to be vision focused first, and I think programs and events can be amazing ways to capture to <coughs> capture the vision, capture the vision programs. Um, I think it can pro- programs and uh, events can create an outward culture. You know, I've known of churches that have that have done major block parties and major kind major programs that do have stuff for kids like that with the mentality of using it as an opportunity to and to allow their believers in their congregation get to know people and get exposure to non-Christians and then to train them from there to kind of making it a springboard for more of an outward focus. The I think it can be helpful to branch out to more with the church's message. You know, your church just had VBS, and my church is about to have VBS. Uh, I think it will have VBS the week that this is posted online. And I think VBS can be an amazing program. It is a program and an event together to branch out to more people than we otherwise would with the church's message. We reach kids that we never would otherwise in our VBS. Uh, But all of these are doctrinally centered approaches, not in entertainment centered and I think when you have any approach to program and uh, events that's entertainment centered I think you're off base those are helpful points um, yeah I mean we just we completed our VBS and I think the kids did have fun and and there were elements built in that they were engaging and you know they played games and they ran and did things like that. The, we had a, an element, you know, our, our theme was upward bound, it's this mountain climbing thing, and we had these large overstuffed bears that some, some of our youth were going behind the, the setup. They were like periodically would peek the bears up and the kids would go crazy. And, you know, I, you know, I, it, it wasn't planned, it just happened. And it was like they were, these bears were the celebrity of, uh, of, our time, but I think you know you and I might just differ slightly on this. But I mean, I do think like you're talking about the outreach um, element. Sometimes I think it can get people onto the church property, assuming or yeah. wherever your meeting place um, that wouldn't be as likely to come for a worship service, but they see something and it's going on for children, and they're like, well, okay. Absolutely. We'll go let the kid jump on the, the bounce house or whatever. And, you know, we're about to have a, an event here um, as we're recording this right before Independence Day. And, you know, our intent is to have it as, as an outreach, as an attractional thing. But we talked about um, among our staff, how can we make this a spiritual event? And, I mean, our, our pastor was leading us in that. And, um, 
you know, we, we then talked about people that were leading different areas of this effort. You know, how can we have spiritually intentional conversations with the people that we're helping, that are helping set up or serve or whatever, and which is people that come. But, you know, this kind of, that shouldn't be the only thing that we do, the only way that we try to reach out to people. I mean, just personal relationships um, are, are very important. So, Tony, have the attempts at making everything fun, whether it's, you know, events or whatever, have that produced an expectation that church should be entertaining for kids or even for adults? And if so, how does that affect adults or adults who grew up with all that stuff as kids who, when they're looking for a church for their own family, um, how do you think that that feeds into it? I think 100% it has produced this kind of expectation that church should be for entertainment. It should be fun first. I think it's hard to deny that. I think it's been very clear on, on, on so many different levels in the church at large in America. And I think it's created a great deal of unhealth in the church in America. Uh, I think that it creates a culture where people expect spiritual life to be always entertaining. And they think it's irrelevant when it's not. You know, the I know of uh, of a Christian that uh, was raised in that kind of entertainment first mentality that w- had informed uh, formed me that a sermon wasn't relevant to her because she didn't really feel that it connected to her and it uh, wasn't really entertaining and it wasn't catching her <laughs> attention as much as she'd like. So she didn't feel that it was a relevant sermon to her. And I think that is uh, that is a disturbing effect of that kind of mentality. I think fun becomes then an idol, an idol with an insatiable thirst. Mm-hmm. And that uh, when fun becomes the idol, we always have to have more and more and more and more and more fun, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. becomes diminishing returns. And eventually people realize it's nothing next to what the world has. It's just the reality. You know, I think this is why, for example, oftentimes in youth ministries that uh, are fun first, that or children's ministries that can become fun first, that we see kind of a nosedive of, uh, of attendance when people reach an age where they can drive off, where they can drive to go to a club instead of going to church. Uh, the Once they have access to something that's more fun than the fun youth group or more fun than the fun children's programs, or more fun than even the fun young adult service. They quickly abandon ship, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be for the more fun church or more often, unfortunately, the more fun secular alternative. And the truth is we can't possibly compete and we'll never create something that's near as fun. My kids were at this uh, bounce house place, uh, this um, company that just basically has like these high-end bounce houses indoors, you know, probably not the cleanest thing ever, but, you know, it was, it was a blast for our kids. And there's no way in the world that even a lot of megachurches could have afforded to have something like that. And there's no question that if people are just looking for fun, they would have picked this place well over the megachurch that has uh, this fun focus. I think it creates a wrong understanding and conversion as well. And spiritual taste buds, and and what you've called, I think, spiritual taste buds, especially for parents. I think that the reality is that there are kids that do get excited about these programs, about when the programs are, are a 
blast, fun, energetic when they're entertainment first. They can get really into something that seems spiritual, but then when they go uh, go away from the entertainment, they have no interest in religion. And you know, and I think sometimes in that, a parent might see uh, more entertainment as the key to unleashing their child's spiritual self, and not understand that the truth and we serve God when we've been regenerated. Our growth in Christ comes from a new heart, a new self, new spiritual taste buds that we're, we're given when we come to Christ, that desire the things of God, rather than just desiring the things of God when they're the most fun that they could possibly be. And I think in this too, I've known of parents that decide during this, the, we're in the season where their children are at a young age, they're going to go to a church with the best possible programs, the fun kids programs that might not teach much of the Bible, even when they want to go to a church that's going to teach them the Bible more in the whole congregation. And these churches oftentimes, the fun first, lack a lot of depth in preaching the word. And so I've known of parents that have said, you know, I'm going to compromise on that while my kids are young. Mm. And I think it's a compromise that actually hurts yourself and it hurts your kids. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we had uh, our student pastor here, Corwin, was telling me about one of the students he had talked to who had had numerous invitations to go to a, another local church's youth group. And I've never visited the church, I'm not going to name it, but the the student said, I don't want to go there because when I go, they, they don't teach the Bible really. Like it's a cool show, but they don't really teach the Bible. I want to hear the Bible. So, I mean, I was thankful that this guy had a hunger for the Word, even though, you know, he's still developing, learning, growing. Um, but th th there was that hunger there, and he recognized this is a problem. But, you know, I think you, you hit on something. Parents want things that are or that they want good for their children. And that's, a, that's to be commended. Some want the absolute best for their kid. Now, I think that sometimes can get problematic. But so for some people, that means finding the coolest, most exciting children's program. And then as they get older, that means to the, the coolest student ministry. You know, many people aren't there, though. There's many people that are committed to a church and they're serving faithfully. Um, but not ever. Some people think, oh, we just need to find the newest, greatest thing. And, you know, I've seen people asking for uh, Facebook suggestions on churches or just heard people talking about that kind of thing often. And, and with the refrain tends to be, oh, well, such and such church, they have lots of stuff for the kids or they have a great youth group or they have lots of activities. Um, and, and those things, they're not like inherently from Satan. Neither one of us would say that they are. No. Um, my concern just is if those things are the focus, those things are the major, then we might be majoring on things that God doesn't major on. Those things can be a means towards an end, but, but fun and excitement and activity can be just spiritually empty sometimes. Fun, like you were talking about, when there's something else that's even more fun, especially if the person is not regenerate, the world has things that are more fun to, to a lost person than the church does. I mean, we just can't compete, like you said. Um, and fun isn't what gives you comfort and hope and struggle. Just kind of entertaining your child or your teenager, um, that's not, that doesn't have staying power, like seeing people love one another, seeing people who are enamored with God, and if they come to, to trust in Christ as well and their life is transformed, they need to be fed. They, they, they don't just need cotton candy uh, when they come you know, to the church gathered. And I'm afraid, too, that it can encourage parents to outsource their role as the primary spiritual yes. nurturer of their kid. You know, the church can't—the uh, church can do it, and so it looks 
sometimes cool and glitzy. They just have resources that don't. And the parents go, well, we can't do that. And so mm-hmm. we'll just leave the teacher, or the kids, uh, minister, the youth minister, or whoever's te- like, we'll just let them do that stuff. We'll bring them to the cool church. And again, I- I'm not trying to rip cool churches or big churches. Um, that's really not my intent. But I- often those churches can have those kinds of things. They just have the resources for it. But that's not the case in all. And, and I mean, there are plenty of large churches that are healthy that are encouraging parents to disciple their kids. But I think it can just encourage that without even realizing. I don't think that's their their plotting in, in their staff meetings or something to try to take that from parents. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's great. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, too, even in how it can undermine parental discipleship and how it can create a culture, like you said, where the parent might think it is as something that is specialized, you know, something that you have to be, have a professionalization for discipling your kids. You know, I've known of a parent that will tell me sometimes that they struggle when they disciple their kids because they feel that, why bother, they feel it's a waste it's a waste of his time sometimes to do things like family worship because he's nowhere near as entertainment to his kid as the children's program at his church are. And that's not to say that there was anything wrong with the children's programs at this church, but he feels that, you know, there's a level of professionalism that is not the primary purpose of our discipleship of our kids. Mm. Well, what should people who are looking for a church consider, particularly people that have kids? I mean, should it primary, like I talked about, you see these people in Facebook, where should I go to church? Should the primary be thing, uh, thing that they're looking for be, there's a lot of stuff for the kids to do or for the, the youth to do? No, absolutely not. Contrary to what some megachurch pastors like to believe, unfortunately. I'm sure, Ben, you know who I'm referring to. Do you? Yes. Uh, you know, in very much contrast to a sermon from that megachurch pastor who we will not name names. I remember last year I was at Children Desiring God uh, in uh, Indianapolis, the big conference in Indianapolis. And David Michael, he's the he was the uh, next generation pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis. Now he's at in Indianapolis at a different church. And he kind of spoke in the keynote address. He talks a lot about vision and how vision impacts children and family ministry. And he talked about the question that almost everyone has when they call a church, when they're looking at a church with with children, and they'll often ask the question, what do you have for my children? And the answer that those in children's ministry often are prone to ask, and I think for a variety of reasons, is we have this, that, or the other programs, listing the variety of programs. And he decided one day that the better answer to that question is, we have a vision for your children. Mm. We have a vi- vision to grow them and, and disciple them into into lovers of God, into God-centered men and women, more or less. The you know I'm paraphrasing, I have a vision for them growing in Christ, rather than a vision for them to just be in entertained. And I thought that was so profound and so important. And you know, the funny thing is uh, about that, about a week after I came back from Children Desiring God, probably even less than that, we got a call in our church. Uh, somebody called our church to ask, what what do we have for their children? You know, and I don't think that there was anything wrong with the question. They wanted to find out what our church was like in children's ministry. And I think a month ago, I might have answered the question by saying, oh, we have kingdom cadets, we have Sunday school, we have this, that, or the other. But I realized, hey, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. We have that we have a vision for discipling your kids. And by the way, we have, by the way, one of the means by which we do it is King Cadets and Sunday school. But first and foremost, the focus I think was on that vision of seeing kids be transformed, this next generation be worshipers of God. Uh, and so I think that really addresses something important in that. You know, I think David Michael saw the importance of a vision focus first and discipleship focus first rather than entertainment. And so for parents that are looking, look for the kind of church that's going to answer that question in the way that David Michael would ask. Look for churches that have gospel centrality in their and their kids programs or even if they don't have kids programs gospel centrality and how they relate to and teach the children within their midst along with the adults yeah. i think that's always going to have more of an indelible clear impact uh, frankly i think that a moralistic a moralistic church that has the best most entertaining most well-crafted children's programs will have far less of uh, have a positive impact on your child than a gospel-centered church that has no nerve know anything else for children specifically and but I think even the I think it is good to have intentional Bible teaching designated Bible teaching for kids whether it be Sunday school whether it be through the nurseries or whatever it might be and look to make sure that that what it teaches first is the Bible not and not focusing first on this entertainment not focusing first on the bounce house but focusing first on how we can communicate the Bible to children and I think likewise Another another central component in that is typically when we're entertainment driven first, when we're uh, focused on on uh, being a spiritualized Chuck E. Cheese, as you might say, we don't stress family discipleship. And I think seek a church that stresses and puts the onus on parents as the primary disciples of their kids, to, that understands that the role of the church's children's ministries are uh, to encourage parental discipleship and to supplement parental discipleship. I really like the thing from David Michael there. That, that's uh, I think I'm gonna start using that. Yeah, I mean I think you, you're you're looking. At, does this church preach the word? You talked about the the people that said, well, we're just gonna compromise on getting solid teaching for this time so that the kids are entertained, basically. And I mean that just impoverishes you spiritually. And then your ability to disciple your kid. If you're not growing as much, you're not being fed. Just taking in spiritual cotton candy, then. You know, you're just limited in what you can do as far as leading them. But, you know, does this church have a concern for God's glory and making disciples, loving other people, loving neighbors? Are there wise people who can help me here disciple my kids and help me grow? And also, are there people that I can help grow? I think those are helpful things to look at and not just, you know, wow, this church, look at all this stuff they do. This is awesome. There, there are places that you can go, like you said, that like Chuck E. Cheese, if you would like to do those things. Church, that shouldn't be the primary thing, it's just entertaining us. And again, I'm not trying, like, I, I didn't grow up in a big church. I, I'm This church that I'm part of now, it's the biggest church I've ever been a part of, and, and we're certainly not a large church, just bigger than what I'm used to um, growing up and then in, in, into my adult life. <clears throat> and so I was just not used to having lots of activities and things like that. Um, there were children's and, and, and youth programs, but it, I mean, it was just, they were not we just didn't have the resources, people, or money to, to do these extravaganzas. And so it was, you know, in some ways it seems a little foreign to me. But I'm also trying to look through it in, in a biblical lens. You know, just encourage parents to look beyond the cool stuff and say, you know, how can we pursue knowing and loving God and helping others to do that too? Can we do that at this church? 
And I think, you know, pray for your kids' hearts and shepherd them. Don't yes. don't just try to make church about fun so that they want to come and they have this positive association with it. I, I'm not going to – there is something to that. that They like coming there, but it's not just like – I was just stimulated beyond belief. But the people love one another, and the you know, as God's people act like God's people around with each other, kids pick up on that. And I think you know, their their hearts are naturally not turned toward the Lord, and so we evangelize them, and they, they need their hearts turned by God. And so we don't want to cultivate this perform for me mentality. Been said, you know, we're trying to to shepherd their heart so that they see, okay, life is not just about people performing and entertaining for you and amusing you, you know, when we come to church, we are going to receive from the Lord, but we also are looking to serve. Yeah, I think to piggyback on that, you know, despite what uh, what we might be prone to believe and what might be easiest to us, I think it is better to go to the church where your kid responds when you ask them, how did, how did your children's programs go? Oh, it was boring. And but then you ask, uh, then you ask, well, what did you learn about? And it's be something truly God-centered. You know, we don't want it to be boring, but it's better that than having the uh, interaction in the car. How was your children's program? Oh, it was so fun and exciting. What did you learn about? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, and neither one of us. I, we would say like, you just need to to work to really put effort to make church as dull and dry as boring as possible it is not what we're saying but just that, that no. like I, I watched this uh, simulcast the other day uh that lifeway was doing with this curriculum and or webcast i don't know what to call it but anyway it was it was helpful they were talking about making the word of god central to what you're doing in ministry and so the guy was opening up saying you know maybe you, you've got, like with children's ministry, you've got uh, structures in place to keep kids safe, and, and that is, you know, done very well. But then you start to think about it, and you realize that the Bible is sort of just like on the side, or, you know, really kind of an afterthought in what you're doing. And you have all this other stuff going on, but teaching God's Word really is not at the focus, and so we want to help you do that. So I was thankful that they were thinking that way, but I thought, oh my goodness, I mean, how, how, how could we do that? Like, that we, you know, just bring the bounce houses out every Sunday and just put the Bibles, you know, in the shelf and, and lock the key. Or It's just troubling that that could be the mentality um, when, you know, we know that it's, it's hearing, uh, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ, not through, you know, jumping on the bounce house. So. And you wonder where that lack of biblical literacy that you brought up in previous podcasts come from. <laughs> I'm sure that those uh, kids who lack biblical literacy are quite skilled at uh, getting some great jumps in the bounce house. Maybe we could put Bible verses inside the bounce house as they jump yeah. <laughs> so they can memorize as they bounce. Yes. <laughs> so how, how can parents help their kids and help their churches not have the expectations that kids have to just be stimulated and entertained all the time, um, even when the church is gathered. Yeah, I think that we, by doing that, we don't bore them. By answer that, we show them the cosmic drama that is the gospel message. That is the God sent his, his perfect son, the God-man, to die on the cross in our place despite us deserving hell. And I think that cosmic and beautiful drama of the gospel is, honestly, if we understand it, if we really see it, it is far from boring. I, I think when we put that first and when we are really captured by a love for it, I think we're going to excite our kids about what excites God. And I think we 
that we help them experience the sermon similarly. And I tell we've talked about this in another uh, message before. I think that can be a helpful way to help them understand that entertainment shouldn't always just come first. We we don't wait until our kids our kids would find the sermon slightly more entertaining than than the kids programs that have become too boring for them because they've aged out of them. Instead, we help our kids to experience the the amazing thing that is God's word being preached and applied to us and let them watch you struggle while you sit through the sermon with boredom. The reality is we're all going to struggle sometimes. Even pastors sometimes can struggle with boredom. That uh, it's, a, it's in our own nature, but to fight through it, to be interested in the things of God, to learn about growing in the Lord. Uh, I think in a practical way, and this isn't really related to while you're at church, but I think sometimes we can help our kids to uh, not be so in- consumed by an entertainment first mentality and seeking entertainment by all times, sometimes by limiting TV or even video game time mm-hmm. so that our kids aren't just driven by it, so that it isn't all of, of our other lives. Sometimes kids, some, frankly, need to be bored. Sometimes it's good for a kid's kid to not have entertainment constantly. Sometimes it's good for kids to develop the practice of reading a book or listening to something where you don't have that high-quality, visually stimulating video at all times. And I think, likewise, in that be diligent about family worship, you know, I think that's going to be something that family worship rarely is, is somebody going to have the production values to lit off fireworks during family worship, you know. <laughs> They're not going to have a light show going on during family worship. But instead, it's going to be pretty simple and plain and sometimes to a kid kind of boring. And I think being diligent through the those things that are ordinary but helpful for your kids will create a, a culture and understanding of your kid that it's not always about their entertainment. Yeah, I think that's really practical suggestions about the, the screen time, the media stuff, because that just cultivates the, you know, entertain me. And I mean, let's face it, our, most of our children aren't sitting around watching, you know, documentaries or something like that. Um, and so I think, yeah, getting them to do physical things, give them responsibilities. Back in the day, everybody had to work. We've come where the children don't have to do as much now, but, you know, give them responsibilities. I think as well, you want to just talk about, pray about loving others and how you treat them. And as you discipline them, you're saying, you know, not just this was bad, this was wrong, but this didn't love your sister when you hit her. This and just focus that. That's why we treat one another. You know, we're supposed to. We're called to love, and so. And then when you pray, like, Lord, we're you know, praying for breakfast Sunday morning, I think, Lord, as we go to church this morning, help us to love those around us. Uh, help us to listen to your word. It's pray those spiritual kinds of things, not just like help us to have a good time at church. Uh, I don't, you know, maybe a lot of people don't even pray about that as they, before they go. And I think that can be helpful just teaching our kids to, to be thinking on that plane when we go there. Okay, we're going, we're looking to serve someone. And I think, you know, just asking better questions of them. Don't just say, did you have fun? I think it's okay. Did you enjoy it? But don't leave it there. You know, what was new? What was challenging? What didn't you understand? Yeah. Is it hard for you to trust God with that? Or how can you put, you know, that into practice in this situation? Um, Those kinds of things. Just helping shape their thinking by your questions. That's really good and practical. Well, how can churches help parents? So we talked about how parents can help their kids, but how can churches help parents and the, the kids of those parents not have that expectation of this, you know, Chuck E. Cheese mentality? 
You know, before I answer, I was thinking about your early comment about kids not watching documentaries. And I, I do want to quickly point out that I, I would love to see an episode of Daniel Tiger produced by Ken Burns. <laughs> I think that would be a fascinating experience. <laughs> that would be nice. But to actually answer your question, I think churches can help parents in this way, not have that expectation, and as well as kids, uh, by, I think, modeling reverence. Modeling, you know, I think oftentimes churches have to have constant programming, have to have constantly something going at all times, you know. But there are times, I think, where it's appropriate to, to simply be in prayer at a church, mm-hmm. to simply read the Bible without the most glamorous light show possible. And I think that produces, in, and children as well as parents, an idea that sometimes reverence is important. Sometimes the that which is entertaining is not that which is always the right thing, what we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even choice of music is part of this. You know, I read uh, something recently about it was from 538.com about the uh, use of words and the, and the style of music and contemporary history music as opposed to uh, some, uh, some different styles and hymns. And, and often uh, that to most contemporary history music tends to be, with some exceptions, just very energetic and very happy. And very little of it, uh, little of it uh, is somber. But versus you have some beautiful hymns that sometimes were very somber and very serious. And we're not just always that I'm a, I'm a pumped word worship song. And I think sometimes making choices that n- even not not every worship song has to be that I'm pumped worship song. But you know, sometimes life doesn't work like that. I think even challenging low expectations, you know, challenging I, I think it's going to be normal for many church members to to be desiring this entertainment first mentality and to fight against it and to lead towards a God first mentality, a God more of a Godward mentality than an entertainment first mentality. By in the preached word, in personal counseling and shepherding in other ways. I, I, there's a historian, church historian, Carl Truman, you know of him, and I, yes. he's asked the question, like, what do miserable Christians sing? You know, obviously, we read the Psalms, there is just exuberant praise of God at times, but there's also, there's confession, there's mourning, and, and so it's just this uh, a well-rounded approach in song. I, and I think you hit on this, but uh, just as far as our, our calendar, church calendar, you don't want to book it up so full that, that parents don't have time to invest in their kids spiritually. They think, well, I'm doing that because I took them to the event at the church. But, you know, we just we don't need to book so many of those things that, that we're taking that role out of the parents' hands. And, you know, we teach the Bible. Like I was talking about the, the Lifeway webcast thing, you know, trying to help churches bring the Bible to the center of their ministry and help families in doing that. So I was very appreciative that they were putting that out there. I think, you know, serving one another and, and those outside the church and praying. And I think you just have to be not overly concerned with losing some people who they're only showing up because of the Chuck E. Cheese factor. They may not be saved. And I'm not saying that you just kick them out and say, you know, forget you. Uh, I think you love them. You try to bring them along. But you also realize that if your church is doing spiritual Jesus kinds of things, people who don't really love Jesus, they won't have a, a taste for it. They're like, I'm gone. Yeah. And so that, that, that can be difficult. But just owning up to that. And I mean, this is... Southern Baptist Convention is just one example of this, but many churches, you know, have inflated membership 
list. And, and so there's people who are members uh, who don't attend or that kind of thing. And, and you know, people who have uh, gotten into the church who really aren't believers. And, you know, it, we shouldn't be surprised if, they, if it turns out that they really aren't saved. No, they don't have a sign on them. But if they really don't love the things of the Lord, then when you focus more on him, like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, and that's even good for them, too, I think is important to point out, too, you know. the I think when we do make that, those things clear, I think it shows them their need for the gospel, and it shows them that this entertainment, spiritualized entertainment, this spiritualized uh, trick of cheese is not what true Christianity is, and they see what true Christianity is, on the other hand. Yeah, I think that that's true. I mean, you, you do, again, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ, and not bouncing on the bounce house. So again, we're, we're not anti-enjoyment and those kinds of things, but the church is something different. The church is not Chuck E. Cheese. Well, Tony, thanks for, for talking with me about this. It's been a good conversation. And thank you for listening and thinking with us. And please like and share, recommend this uh, and other episodes if, if it's been helpful to you and encouraging or you think it would be helpful to someone else. Reach out to us on Twitter. He is at... Anthony Tresoni. And I am at Ben Palaz. So we'd love to hear from you or ideas for podcasts, things you'd like to suggest. So please reach out to us. And until next time, and we hope that you do have fun, but a lot more than fun as you get together with God's people. Thanks for listening.